Today, I want to endeavor to try to deal with a, a new theme or a different one that we've dealt with lately, and it's entitled Against All Odds. Against All Odds. And, uh, you know, odds are kind of like probability. You flip a coin, you've got 50% chance it's heads or tails. But the, uh, the greater the odds, the greater the victory. And so, what I want to try to deal with today is how God uses our weaknesses to make us strong and give Him glory. Now, this is going to be kind of upside down from the world's view, okay? But we're going to find that God, against all odds, has brought so much in this word. Now, that's a hard lesson for us to learn. We're going to look at a place in Judges that says that from God's word, but, but it's all over the Bible. It, because we have a tendency to depend on ourselves, and what we need to do is keep our minds and our hearts focused on God. And that's hard to do because we like to look at ourselves too much. Even in our worship, you know, we want to see how do we look? How do we do when we ought to be looking at God? And what we need to be praying for is not to be strong, but to be weak. We do not need to pray for America to be great again. What we need to pray for is America to be weak again. God says in 2 Chronicles 7 14, if my people shall humble themselves, weak, If my people humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. There's probably not been a stronger America that I know of since World War II and Pearl Harbor than 9-11. Why? Because we realized how inadequate we were as a nation. How vulnerable we were to attack. And all eyes were on God. Churches were full for several weeks. We weren't preoccupied whether or not the Braves won or lost. Or who was number one in college football. That didn't matter. What matters was God. What matters was seeing our weakness. And so what I want to try to deal with that from several places in God's Word in the next, this Sunday and the next couple is, is to see that through our, our, the odds are against us. And they ought to be. Because heaven is, is, is our home, not this world. But you see, God gets the glory. And who can be against us when God is for us? Would you please turn with me this morning? I want to use an Old Testament version of God's working against all odds from all odds from the book of Judges. Now, the book of Judges, Israel is in the promised land. In a sense, we as God's people in the church today, we're in the promised land. 
That does not mean, however, that everything is hunky-dory. Judges is the first place in Scripture we see that God leaves the enemy nations in there, in the promised land, for a purpose to remind them of their dependence on God. To show them that they're weak and they need God's strength. Okay? That's what we're going to find in the book of Judges. But here in the book of Judges, you know the story. It's about a man named Gideon. And uh, I want to say something before I read uh, the text from the seventh chapter. If you want to notice it with me, I invite you to in the sixth chapter of Judges and verse 13. It kind of sets the context of it all. Well, from verse 11 of chapter 6. And there came an angel of the Lord and said under an oak which was in Ophrah that pertained unto Joash the Aberazite and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto to thee, the, him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now he doesn't know that he's a mighty man of valor. And we don't know that either, but we are. Because the Spirit of God lives in you, and he that is in you is greater than he's in the world. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? Then if God is with us, why are we going to deal with all these problems? You see, see, we've got to live this life as believers. God doesn't take us right to heaven. So, so we've got a battle to fight. A Christian, a genuine Christian has a, has, a, has a battle to fight, a responsibility to do it. And, and, and to do it against all odds. You want to follow Jesus, it is not fun. You want to follow Jesus, it's dangerous. You want to follow Jesus, you're going to up battle, you're going to up the mountain, you're going to upstream. But when you get through with it all, and you will, you will say, God did it. That's what you're going to say. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you all, and you know this already, but I got to say it because I was sitting in this chair thinking it. When you see Randy Waters walk up this, this podium stand right here and, and try to open his mouth and through his sinful lips say something about God, you got to say, God did that. Because you, you, you hear me, guys, I know where I come from. And, and we understand that, and, and that's what God is about. you got to live a life, and, and your weakness will be the only way you're going to get to that to show you that God did this. So he wants to know why all this stuff is happening and why then is all this befallen us and where be all his miracles which our fathers told of saying did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt but now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. But look at verse 14 and the Lord looked upon him and said go in this thy might and thou shalt save Israel in the hand of the Midianites have not I sent thee. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. <laughs> That's what God needs to know. We need to know that. That we're weak. We're the least. Okay. 
So that's kind of setting the text of it. But let's look at chapter 7 for our text. I want you to please stand with me while I read these seven or eight verses. Would you mind doing that please right now for God? Chapter 7 of Judges, verse 1. Then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him, rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill Morah in the valley. And the Lord God, or the Lord, said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many, bring them down into the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. Of whomsoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought down the people into the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Everyone that happeth or lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth him, shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hands to their mouths were 300 men, but all the rest of the people bowed down before their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, by the 300 men that lap will I save you and deliver the Midianites into thine hand and let all the other people go every man into his place. So the people took victuals in their hands and their trumpets and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man into his tent and retained those 300 men and the host of the Midianites, or Midian, was beneath him in the valley. Thank you. Please be seated. So what we have here is God just laying out to Gideon. And uh, the first thing I want to try to say about strength uh, from weakness, and that's, that's how God works uh, uh, against all odds in our lives. So what, what God is doing, the first thing I want to talk about is power, uh, is purpose. What is God's purpose in our life? God's purpose in our life is to bring him glory. We bring God glory most when we depend on him the most. When we see him as our all in all. That's how God gets the glory. It's not about me. It's about God. It's about understanding that God is with us, and that it's not about what we do or what we know. It's about God and His Word. That is the purpose that God gets glory. And that's what God is saying here. Didn't you notice He tells Midian, uh, He tells uh, Gideon rather about the Midian. I say, look, if you use all these men to whip them, then, then you're going to think you did something pretty big. But, but what God says, He brings them all down. He, he says, well, you know, if anybody's afraid, uh, let him go home. Now, see, we have a lot of people in our world today that are afraid. We're living in a scaredy-cat world. And, and Deuteronomy, this is where this comes from. In, in the 20th chapter, in the verse 8 of Deuteronomy, we find where it comes from, what, what happens, where, where God says there, when they're doing a battle, says, because if the people are scared, everybody else is going to get scared. Scaredy uh, or fear is contagious. And the reason we're so afraid is we are not serving God with the heart that God has given us, our righteousness. 
Our righteousness is self-righteousness a lot of times. God says in his word that the, uh, the, 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 the righteous are bold as a lion, but the wicked flee when no man pursueth. Uh, I remember, and you do too, uh, not long after COVID started, it was great fear. Everything's going to be short. Everybody runs to the grocery store and buys up toilet paper, buys everything they can find. I mean, just pandemic fear, you know? We need to understand that, that we need to depend on God. And when you depend on God, we don't have to worry about life so much. But the problem is we're depending on ourselves and we don't like to admit, admit it. Now, I want you to know this, that as a Christian, as if we believe in God, God is not a God that works by chance. So I'm talking about against all odds. I'm talking about he's a, he's a God, he's the odds maker. God is the God of all odds. Salvation is not by chance. And I want you to be reminded, everybody does not have a chance to be saved. They don't. Sounds good, but that's not the way it is. And, and the people that are not saved wouldn't do it if they had a chance. It'd be far worse for, a, for an unsaved person to go to heaven than a saved person to go to hell. But, but if you're here this morning and you understand that, that you are weak, that, that you have a weakness, and you do, that, that God is, is, is giving you and working in your life a weakness. Something in your life is there. Some, some unsurmountable uh, desire that you have for God. Some sin that is easy to be sitting and that's hard after you seemingly all the time. You have the spirit of God in you and you are in a warfare. But do not think you can do that on your own. You see? Because we need to see that we're weak. You bring your burdens to God. You cast them there and leave them there. For he is our strength. And so we see the, uh, the, the fact that God does save us. We need to be so humbled by it. We need to be so thankful that God would save a sinner like us. That we would serve him and that we would not complain. And that we would be so compassionate about others and forgiving because God has forgiven us. I think sometimes we don't realize how weak we are that against all odds God takes us to heaven in spite of our good works, in spite of, uh, of the way that, that we deal with him in our lives. He's a wonderful God. He's a God of all odds. But the purpose is God's glory. 1 Corinthians, turn with me to first chapter of 1 Corinthians, please. Here's what God says. We're talking about the purpose in being God's glory. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27. The Bible says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. You hear him? And God hath chosen the weak things of the world, the things which are mighty, the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. And here it is, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Now, we don't have very many rich and famous people in this congregation, do we? I don't, I mean, you, you, some of you have done right well, don't get me wrong. But I don't think we got any rich and famous. I don't think we have any Hallmark movie stars out here to you. I don't think so. 
You know what? That shows us that God, God doesn't choose the wise and prudent. God doesn't base everything on, on what you know. God is not impressed with our credentials. He's not. And what is so appalling to me that we have men and women in certain denominations of so-called churches that are trying to deal with a subject that God says absolutely is sinful. And I was talking to some folks this week that are there, and they said what they're doing is they're going to study human sexuality to make a decision. Now, those guys have doctorates of divinity. (laughs) But they don't study the Bible. See, if you study God's Word, you will know what God says. And any church that doesn't do and go by what God says is a cult and not a church, in my view. So we need to understand that it's important that we take God for what he says, that it's for his glory, and that your weakness is a purpose God has given you. Don't bury your weakness. Don't. You know, I hear people say, what is my gift? You know, and there's sermons you do on how you find your gift, your spiritual gift. What we ought to be doing is, where is my weakness? Because where your weakness is, is going to be your strength. I was over at a men's conference yesterday, and this man come up to me during one of the sessions, he said, I got to talk to your preacher. So I went back in the chapel with him. This man's probably 56 years old. He said, preacher, I'm going through some spiritual warfare. I said, what do you got, what do you got going on? He said, I can't read. He said, I sit in this room and I hear these men talking about studying God's word and said, I just feel lost. I cannot read and people don't know that. I put my arm around that man and said, look here. You believe that Lord Jesus died for your sins? You believe you're a sinner that he died for him? You trust him? You believe he rose again? I do. He said, but I don't know nothing. He said, I feel so inadequate. So I said, I said, God's wrote his law in your heart. You go outside and you look at those trees and you see that creator God and you believe in him, that he made all this stuff. And you'll go to heaven if you can't read a lick by trusting in God. And there's scribes and Pharisees that can read it backwards and forwards. They will not make it. As I said, it's the spirit of the word, not the letter. Don't worry about that. So your weakness is going to be your strength. I had a man over to tell me, he's over at New Beginnings. He said, I said, how long have you been there? He said, 22 months. I said, what brought you there? He said, liquor and cocaine in the foot of my wife. He said, mostly my wife's foot. That man right now is praising God in his ministry. He's doing things that he's never done before because his weakness. He realized it. 
And yet, you know, we as humans, I'm talking about in the church, we don't want to know know our weakness. But we got them, and God has given us our weakness just like he has our strength. We need to see it as purpose. Second thing is I want to say about this from Judges is that God brings strength out of weakness because that's where our power goes. That's how it comes. I mean, I mean, prayer, the power of God's people is prayer. Prayer implies weakness, does it not? I mean, you pray because you got a need. You don't pray because you got it all. We pray to praise God. But even then, we're realizing that we're weak, oh God. I mentioned 7 Chronicles 7 14, which is a prayer, but I thought of James 5 16. He says, Confess your faults one to another. That is said just before he says, The humble, fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. You want to understand the prayers of God's people? You come at 6 o'clock on Tuesday morning, the first Tuesday month, and you get in there in that fellowship hall. And you hear the prayers of men that testify and admit they're weak, that they're struggling, that they don't know if they can face it, but that is the power of prayer, my friends. I don't understand it. But it's not prancing around acting like we got it all made and that we're so pious and religious. Because that power, look at uh, 2 Corinthians 12. Here's what it says. Verse 1 through 4. No, I'm not going to read 1 through 4. I'm going to start at verse 5. Apostle Paul has had that experience, third heaven, and God's afraid he's going to get too big-headed. Kind of way we are. I'm telling you, there's nothing worse than spiritual pride. That's the worst kind. And, you know, we have that in the church. You know, primitive Baptists, we're really just like that. You know, we say, well, we believe in election, predestination. We kind of have this little idea. We hear people talking about accepting Jesus. We say, you know, I'm a little bit smarter than that, I think. And then on the other side of the fence, it's about the same way. Those primitive Baptists are just backward folks, you know. They're just working back in the old times, and they don't understand Spiritual pride, we all got it. That's why we don't see people repenting and confessing their sins. Because we don't know what anybody know what we're dealing with. And that's why God's not healing us. See, our nation is trying to legislate morality. It don't work like that. What makes America great is America on their knees. A man or a woman's greatest strength is when they're on their knees. That is the power of God. And God called these men. He said, get down to 300. He said, some lap, you know, and they left. I don't want to get into that. I've read all kind of commentary on why the ones lapped and why they was on their knees and did all this. That make, I don't believe it makes a bit of difference at all. God said, just give me 300. He's not looking for the Green Berets or the Special Forces. He's just working everyday people. I mean, all they're going to have to do is shout and break a jar and blow a trumpet. They don't have to graduate from the military academy. What they have to be is in their place. 
But see, because, because in your weakness, it's where God is going to get his glory. And that's where you're going to get your power. You're going to get it from God. You're not going to get it in, in anything you try to do or don't do. So you thank God for your weakness. Say to God, I can't do it. Boy, that hurts the flesh, doesn't it? You know, my daughter Ashley's been struggling. She's down in a place that's helping her struggle. She called me the other day and she said, Brother, uh, Daddy, Brother Randy. <laughs> she says, Daddy, I don't have any fight left in me. I said, thank the Lord. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but I do. I've been there with her. You surrender to God. You surrender to God. And when she said, Daddy, I don't have any more fight, I rejoice with her. In fact, I said almost automatically, I want you to know, Ashley, I'm so proud of you. I don't know why I said it. <laughs> but it seemed like it changed her whole tune. See, see we, try to, we, try to, we try to prop God up. We try to prompt ourselves up. We need to realize how weak we are. Because when we do, and only when we do, are we going to see a God that is against all odds. I know a man I saw with this week named Lou Shackelford. That man has a speech impediment. He stutters. You can't hardly understand him. That man got up before a group of 30 or 40 men and he gave a talk about Jesus. He goes around talking about Jesus. He doesn't let his weakness hinder that. And that's what makes it so powerful. That man I told you about that can't read, I watched him yesterday afternoon and he was rejoicing. And I might have been the only one that knows it, but I knew that he was using that weakness and celebrating God and depending on God to reveal unto him in the ways that he couldn't like put the letters down. And God did it. And he will do it. But he says, the apostle Paul, of such one, while I not glory yet of myself, I will not glory but in mine infirmities. His weaknesses. For though I would desire be to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he be heareth of me. In verse 7, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might be departed. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That's how your strength is going to come, in your weakness. Don't bear your weakness. It's a great gift of God. And then lastly, I just want to say that all of the weaknesses that come out to, to, to make strength points to the cross of Jesus. Revelations 5 talks about a lamb that was slain yet standing. Who would have thought against all odds a virgin would have a baby? And the seed of a woman 
was what God would use to bruise the head of the serpent, the devil. Then a little baby in the weakness, that's the weakest creature is a baby, a human baby of all God's creatures. So helpless, and yet God used that baby to be the Savior, the world, his people. What a blessing that is. What a joy that is. You know what? We're not ever going to be back to normal. I don't believe we are, ever. But I want to tell you this. Jesus is coming back. He's coming. He's on the way. And he's going to have scars. And you know what? If you think that's a weakness, if you think the scars in your life are a weakness, if you think something has happened to you or something that's done or some way you've had to grow up is a, a scar of your life that God can't use you, you just look at the cross. You hear me? And every scar that we have ought to point to the, to the scars of our Lord. Because your weaknesses ought to validate who God is in your life. So that when your time comes to die, you can say like the apostle, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith, I have fought a good fight. And God did this. That's the kind of God we serve. He does it. He does it all the time. Don't kick against the, against the pricks. You know, uh, there's a beautiful, I know this is a contemporary Christian song. As I close, I, I just want to celebrate the fact God's weakness. And it's, it's by a group called Need, Need to Breathe. I think that's right. And the song is called Multiply. And, and the chorus goes like this. It says something like, God of mercy, sweet love of mine, I have surrendered to your design. May these praises spread across the skies. These hallelujahs be multiplied. The hallelujahs that are multiplied will come when we face our weaknesses and we see them as God's strength in giving us all that we need to deal with life and to face our fears. And we know what happened in Gideon's day. Those 300 men. God did it. <laughs> That's what we can say. God did this. May the Lord bless us to be thankful for our weaknesses. To be thankful that God has given us whenever he has to. To make us look at him. Prosperity has ruined the church. We need to be dependent on God Needing him. Trusting him. Because he's a God that works against all odds. Would you bear with me? Lord, we thank you so much.
for our weaknesses. Help us, O Lord, to sense them, see the reality of them, see the purpose of them, see the power of them, and help us, Lord, make them point to the cross. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.